The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Claude Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricket and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive and I'm joined by Ricky. Good evening, Ricky. Good evening, how are you? I'm alright, thank you. I'm quite harried. Wednesdays has turned into quite a, a busy day for myself. With the podcast moving over to Wednesday nights, just through happenstance and working long shifts on a Wednesday and trying to get the old 205 Live review report thing up on Lords of Pain as soon as I can for the the masses. Wednesdays are crazy right now for me, but I would I would not have it any other way. Good, good. I like to hear. How's your Wednesday been? <laughs> um, it's been fine. I saw you on the train earlier on, which was uh, an unexpected event. Um, then that was it. You know, home. Work, I was working quite late as well, so I've been looking forward to this though for a good, good few days. Good. Well, will we just get towed into it then? Yeah. So, Backlash, eh, it was a, a mixed bag of a pay-per-view for me. There are some positives that we all agree on, not many, and there are some positives that maybe only I feel, which I'll get to later, but there are a lot of negatives throughout the night. Regarding match order, match booking, tired stories, sort of characters remaining tired, just in the grand scheme of things, not really a good night for WWE in terms of their pay-per-view back catalogue, but before we go down that road of getting all miserable, will we talk about the positives? Yeah, we may as well get that out of the way before we really get into the nitty-gritty. So, what are your thoughts on this match between Seth and The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship um, you know personally I don't understand I think it was very very overrated you're at it aren't you yeah I'm joking it was it was easily a match of the night um, and on top of that like absolute credit to Seth Rollins because that was two uh, two really good matches in the space of 24 hours because uh, I know we'll touch on Braun Smackdown later but the, I enjoyed the match I had with Mojo Rawley um, and then also big credit to Miz as well because I know we're probably going to have a bit of a Seth loving um, but Miz more than more than held his own in there Miz played his part Miz was unbelievable and then obviously again we'll touch on Smackdown later but the match again he had on Smackdown with Jeff Hardy was was just unbelievable as well but Going back to backlash, um, yeah, like what a perfect way to start the pay per view. Um, like we said last week in the build up to it, like the weeks, the winners weren't really going to be too too much of a surprise, especially this match because obviously the Intercontinental and the United States were not going to end up on the same brand. But that wasn't going to stop us from enjoying a really good match, um, and it was it was an absolute excellent match. Um, 
Seth Rollins is probably the hottest name in wrestling at the moment. If he's not in wrestling, certainly in the WWE. Um, he's been on an absolute roll, really, for the last sort of <clears throat> six months, but specifically these last two months or so, two, three months, he's just been absolutely tearing it up and putting on some real, real good matches. Um, so, yeah, like I say, it was, a, it was a real good start to the pay-per-view. Um, once again, these two have seemed to have really, really good chemistry with one for another as well. <clears throat> but, like, like I said, I will give Miz just all the credit in the world for everything that he done, but for me, you know, it's just... I don't want to say it was all about Seth or anything like that, but, like I said, right now, like, we, no one can get enough of Seth Rollins at the moment. Um, and I know there's a big whole debate going on with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, etc., and who's going to dethrone Brock and what's going on with Roman, who's the face of the company, is it still Cena or is it Roman or is it Braun? I mean, or is it AJ? I mean, I mean, there's a case to be made that Seth Rollins should be that guy. Um, I know a lot of people are wanting him to be the one that uh, ends Brock's title reign, um, and I would be on board with that as well. So, like I say, right now he is probably the hottest name in that company right now. Um, crowd are loving him. Like I say, he's just putting on some real, real great matches as well. Mm-hmm. I hold again. I hold my hands up with Miz. My, my arms are getting sore from the length of time that I've been holding my hands up regarding him, to be honest. He is really good. Just to get that point across, guys, the Miz is very good. He's awesome. <coughs> uh, Seth, though, Seth's still on his career form. See that the figure four fight through and reversal? Mm-hmm. If you remember that, that was a, a pivotal part of the match for me, and it just sums up Rollins, his resolve that he's had as part of his character for the last few months as you say, basically since that night where he declared Raw Monday Night Rollins um, I thought that sequence the figure four leg lock stuff, that encapsulated everything about Seth no, both men, it encapsulated everything that both men are about uh, just so much to like about the match, Rollins selling Miz taking opportunities when he can this this old superplex Falcon Arrow combo that's it's becoming a major turning point in these matches as of late. It's happened with Finn on a couple of occasions if you pay attention to it now. And this time his knee gave out during it when he was trying to do the Falcon Arrow. Also, also considering how predictable the outcome of this match was supposed to be, there were at times where I was completely convinced that the opposite was about to take place. I'm going to officially, I will officially throw my, throw. This into the hat is one of my matches of the year, definitely. They got things off to a positive start, incredibly strong start. Um, WWE put on a really hot match between two red-hot wrestlers, one maybe white-hot, definitely. Both of them are red-hot. Apparently this was booked by Tyson Kidd. I wonder if there's any way to find out what past matches he's had his hands on, but as far as I'm aware, that list of the the match agents or (coughs) bookers or whatever... um, that was leaked. I know we're not supposed that was, to. That see was it. leaked. That was leaked prior to the show, I believe. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure if we could ever get our hands on any of the matches that have happened previously. But it'd be good to take note of what Tyson Kidd's been involved in in the last wee while, because if that's him setting up a a resume, a CV, then I want Tyson Kidd involved in a lot more matches. It was. I think this actually surpassed the Mania match for me. What do you think? I mean, I'm not sure if I'm going to go and 
and say that at the moment because I, for the Mania match, I actually watched WrestleMania again twice and I've not had a chance yet to watch that match specifically again so I'll need to watch it again but from watching it live oh, sorry watching it the next day my initial reaction was it was probably just as every bit as good as the Wrestlemania one um, I may have gone to my head I think I'd probably go Wrestlemania one at the moment but I need to re-watch it again and, and obviously touching on um, Tyson Kidd like yeah it's great that we sort of found out who booked the match and who was involved etc but I don't know, sometimes when you see things like that, do you just sometimes not just miss the whole kayfabe and kiddie sort of feel that you got when you watched wrestling where you didn't really care about stuff like that? And So, like, yeah, it's, it's nice to know, it's nice to see, and then you, and it's no real surprise it's someone of someone who's around about our age and it's grew up sort of in the same era as us watching wrestling. Obviously, he's, he, he was a wrestler. So, like, we sort of have a different um, outlook on what wrestling is as opposed to guys who grew up in the 80s or 70s or 80s or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, sometimes you just... Yeah, it's great to see it and sometimes it's great to hear, like, when you hear them on podcasts and interviews and stuff like that, and you say, this is excellent, you never, you never hear about this stuff. But when that, when that list was initially leaked, like, my initial reaction was, like, Ah, okay. Like I didn't really want to see it. If I'm honest with you, like just because sometimes it takes away that whole the element of enjoyment of it because you get too caught up in other things. Um, that's the problem in today's age. We're too caught up with the behind the scenes stuff. Like you, like you can't have it. You can't have it like both ways. Like I, we will sit here and it's absolutely unbelievable when you hear some of the wrestlers appearing on podcasts and they tell you how they got into business and what they've done and who helped them, etc, etc, when you hear all these stories going on backstage, but then sometimes you you do miss the days of where it was just a case of, this is who I like and this is who I'm going to root for, and it's a good guy versus a bad guy, and I just, you know um, but yeah it, it certainly is, it was, it was nice to see it, in a sense, but at the same time we were like, you know it just sort of, you can't help but think back to the days that you didn't know anything like this, and all you really cared, like I said was about your guy winning or the bad guy getting beat up, etc, but mm-hmm. Let's say it's, it's no real surprise that someone like Kim was involved in the match because of his wrestling style and let's say it's the time that he grew up and the people he was around, etc. So you compare that sort of match and the layout of it to I'm not going to start naming names, but other people who have booked different matches on that show and you can instantly when you look at them who booked it, you can obviously they're from different eras uh-huh. and the view and the view wrestling differently. And that's not to say that's a bad thing, like just because someone views wrestling as like the way you see a 205 wrestling match or the way a New Japan match is or someone who views it sort of slower methodical wrestling like almost like a throwback to the 70s and 80s like, there's no right or wrong way to wrestle but like I said it just sort of you know it just it made it just made me think a wee bit I was like oh man like I never ever never even thought about who used to book matches and layout matches but now you see it and it's like you just kind of miss the days where you were oblivious to some of those things uh-huh. like I say, like you, can't, you really can't have it both ways you either you can't then be like oh I want to know what's going on and then complain about kayfabe etc later on I know it's, it is actually hard to try and be kayfabe because of just so. the state as well as all the information that we get online these days, just the state of wrestling, because we're all getting, because of the information we're getting, we are more savvy to what goes into a match. 
and because of that, it's hard to just sort of take keep your kayfabe hat off, on. You want to just take it off and throw it in the air in a rage. But um, that's us getting negative. We'll stay positive as much as we can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's not like that wasn't negative. It was just, it was just a. You know how sometimes you just think about things when you're a wee bit younger just in the sense of how you grew up and oh, remember we used to do this and you just realise it's something people this age kids this age don't do the things that you used to do and it's like you know it's just it's just it's happy memories and let's say it's not a negative I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be negative in that sense I'm just thinking like oh, do you remember the time where we never thought of that and it was just like we were just so immersed in the actual match itself and just oh. like I say wanting a good guy to beat up the bad guy so but like I say like you say it, in order to avoid stuff like that, you have literally got to... You cannot go on the internet. I know. You know? I think... Uh, and in this, day, in this day and age, social media and internet is, is everything, you know? Like, there's so many, so much good about it. I think wrestlers like Seth Rollins are actually helping with things like that, though, because more often than not, I actually have a moment of like, fist-pumping joy whenever he wins a match, and because I was so sort of think I was thinking to myself the miss is actually going to do this here because of Seth selling knee injury so there is that feeling of just suspending disbelief in his matches at the moment and I just I just want to echo I think Seth is he's on his all time career run I know he had a really good run as a heel back in 2015 but um, there are quite a few parallels between his heel run then and his current run now I think overall the show, Monday Night Raw, is revolving around him at the moment, more often than not. It is Monday Night Rollins, after all. He is repeatedly putting on the best matches of the night, both in weekly episodes of TV and in the pay-per-views. Um, he went on to hold both the main event title and the mid-card title last time. So, could history repeat itself? Does Seth have a valid claim to beat Brock? Another parallel... Another parallel... I think it's one that's quite important for how Seth will be for the next few months. He's got a massive, big, fat target on his back right now. He's taken out the Miz. It looks like he's dealt with Finn for the time being. Finn will be jealous of Seth, though, and someone who will be really jealous. I know I keep going on about him, but Jason Jordan's been sitting at home, recovering from injury. He wanted to become a big success at the expense of Seth, I think. That was evident in the story they were trying to tell. And with the set, the months of success, just sort of fan acceptance that Seth's had. Say what you want about Jordan, but he's got more than enough motive to come back gunning for Seth. And who the hell knows what will happen with Dean when he comes back. How will he feel about Rollins' success? I think arguably there's a one or two, but I think he's the only true booking success story at the moment. And I really hope this continues because if that's the case, we are in for a big treat on Monday nights. Maybe not everything, but so, some of them. A, a few, a few things before potentially moving on. Um, four things actually. So, number one, let's hope that uh, open challenge is a weekly thing, because when 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 John Cena had the US Open Challenge, like it was just unbelievable. Because he at that point, it seemed like he was putting on like five star match every single week. It seemed like, um, which always culminated with the KO. Um, trilogy. So let's hope that's that's going to be a weekly thing. Um, the the next point was I think what may eventually happen. I, I alluded to it a couple of weeks back that I think Jason Jordan will come back, and I think he'll end up costing Seth the Intercontinental title. And then 
you would have the, those two feuds before you could eventually move Seth on to potentially Ambrose or potentially moving Seth towards the the main event, the main title picture. Uh, third point, <clears throat> I as as um, from a KFA point of view, because you touched on Brock Lesnar, do you think Seth Rollins, from a KFA point of view and a realistic point of view, is the one, or do you think he should be seen as capable of beating Brock, having looked at what Brock's done in the last sort of twelve months, what kind of destructive path he's left? Yes, uh, and I'll tell you why, because I think that when you look at it from a sort of storyline perspective, he's not really faced um, Brock Lesnar properly. They had that quick five minutes at Battleground before The Undertaker came round, um, and Dean's dealt with him, Dean got beat soundly, Roman's dealt with him, as we know now, but got beat very soundly, even if it is a bit controversial, but... Seth and Brock haven't really crossed paths since then, since that match at Battleground as far as I'm aware, they've not really had much interaction with each other the way things are setting up now we're not really sure what's going on with Brock's contract, I'm not sure what the specifics are but we've got a money in the bank contract about to be won in the next couple of months could it be that Seth wins that and then goes on to beat Brock Lesnar, I don't know. It's hard to say because you've got four, you've only got four guys from Raw and four guys from SmackDown going for this Money in the Bank, the male ladder match one. So it's hard. you've got Finn in there already. Anyone else in the men on Raw yet, or is it just him just now? Braun. and Braun as well? And then from SmackDown it is Rusev and The Miz. Mm-hmm. So there's already limited spaces available. So I'm not really sure what they will do. But I just feel that the momentum that Seth's on at the moment, is, I've not seen anything like this as organically as since Dan, Daniel Bryan back in when it was him versus the authority. I think they would be really, it would be remiss of WWE not to capitalise on this because even though he's holding the mid-card title, he held two titles for a short time when he was the, the heel back in the day. He could easily lose the IC title. Um, there's not, you've got, as I say, we've got this um, TV challenge which could be happening every week nothing to stop Jason Jordan coming down during that all guns blazing and just destroyed Seth quickly or cheaply something along those lines but I can't see where it would fit in that's the only problem if Seth isn't involved in the Money in the Bank ladder match then I don't see where it would come from at all well yeah I know he he mentioned that on Raw in his promo that basically all he cares about right now is having the IC title because in his eyes that's like the title on it, Raw. It is on my eyes as well. So, um, I suppose he's even though he's sort of ruled himself out, there's nothing to say come next week that he won't be in a, a Money in the Bank qualifying match. So, like I say, I think ultimately, I know we're going to be, we're touching on a couple of different things. I think it probably will be Last week I thought it was going to be Seth Rollins or Braun, but I have a feeling that, let's just say the next Brock match is SummerSlam. I think whoever faces him then could sort of take, go back and forth, and then someone cashes in after the match or during the match. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would go with it. But, I mean, if I had my choice, like I say, before I lead up to WrestleMania, I thought it would be Roman Reigns, and I would just admit, like, just give him the title because... 
because he's a full timer, etc. But I've had my choice. Anyone on Raw, it would be Seth. Oh, why? Whether it would happen or not, I'm not sure. Um, and to me, like I say, from kayfabe or non kayfabe, it's totally believable in my eyes that Seth Seth can beat Brock. I understand that Brock's been on an absolute monstrous run where he where he destroyed, uh, well, didn't destroy, but beat Goldberg, beat Joe, beat. Roman, Braun and Joe again and beat Braun and beat AJ and beat Kane and Braun and then beat Roman twice like that's that's like a who's who list of absolute superstars uh-huh. so but I would I would still say Seth is more than a credible threat but like I said I don't really see it happening uh, partly because I also don't think he will be in the Money in the Bank match but you know he, we, can, we can always wish you know like I think I think like I agree with you as well I think he probably will hold the IC title for a wee bit longer and then I think at that point it's time to just quote unquote strap the rocket to him and, and you know and just let him go um, but we'll just wait and see what happens um, I would still be surprised if it is Seth but here's hoping you know and never forget as well that that night when the night after Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank Brock Lesnar went for a German suplex and Seth Rollins flipped out of it that must be remembered because See from a sort of wrestling point of view, he can weasel his way out of big suplexes. Yeah, and technically, like technically as a wrestler in ring intelligence and ring IQ, etc., like the guy's just on a level that not many people are on, and that includes Brock. Because yeah, Brock Brock as a wrestler can do can do more than a stupid suplex, suplex German uh, suplex city bitch suplex, suplex F five. Fit, fit match over, like when he when he when he, in the initial run he was just absolute brute force, but he was still like he was still doing classic wrestling moves. But now it's all just about cut a couple of Germans, hit an F five, swear, and then leave. So <laughs> Brock Brock can do so much more as well. But Seth, like I say, ring wise, like ring ability and technical abilities, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, and like I say, from a, like a kayfabe point of view, when you just sort of look at them, it, it, to me, it is believable that someone like Seth can beat someone like Brock. Because that ultimately could come down that sort of road. Like, when you look at what Brock's done these last sort of 12, 14 months, you need someone to look credible. And someone who looks credible isn't always someone who's going to be Braun Strowman size, you know? Uh-huh. Well, look at the match that he had with AJ Styles at Survivor Series. He's a smaller guy. He's got that... A really impressive ring wherewithal that Seth's got um, and it's probably the most that Brock's been pushed to his limit out of a lot of them. I know you've had you're led to believe that the other guys have had Brock on his back haunches but AJ was the one that left Brock limping out of the ring as well. So there is that to think about. So I'm all for it. It's just a case of making the story work but they seem to be on Midas touch with regard to Rollins booking at the moment, so long may it continue. But I don't know, like, see as well, you've got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Surely one of them will be in the Money in the Bank match. Well, you'd have to imagine. As of, as, as of right now, no, but. So unless, unless they maybe go. I, I'm trying to think who else could possibly go into it. Would Bobby Roode or you would imagine either Bobby Roode, Elias? Because I know that they're getting. I know they were eliminated in Monday night there, but they're going to weasel. They've got to weasel themselves back into it unless they're just going down this road of making them a tag team 
that there is a will they won't they scenario with them breaking up I think they will break up it's obviously going to happen at some point but I think that could happen sooner rather than later and I mentioned it too we mentioned it earlier on well off air we were I think in this case they're probably going to go KO as a face and Sammy as a heel. Mm-hmm. Um, I know KO as a heel is just is like is it works, you know. And that old saying, "Why mess with something? Why try and fix something that's not broke?" It just adds a nice wee wrinkle to it, you know. Where mm-hmm. we've always seen KO as a heel and Sammy as a face, but this time roles reversed. It's just a nice wee wrinkle, and it'll be interesting to see how it works. Not entirely sure how it works, but I. Again, I think the face turn for me, it, uh, for me, it was uh, backlash where they were both outside the ring, and you know when they were running in the ring, but Sammy, sorry, Sammy grabbed KO and threw him into the ring to Strowman and Lashley. Before it, KO was saying to Sammy, was like, "No, no, we don't run. We're not. We don't run. We stay and fight. We stay and fight." Like. If you if you didn't know Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn, right? If you just asked someone like a wrestling fan, would you say they're faces? You would assume that they are just based on what he was saying. But then you could also flip it and you could go back. Well, the prize fighter Kevin Owens, you know, like that whole gimmick. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I think I think they might just go with KO's the face, and I th- it'll be interesting to see how that works. I think it would be good to see what happens with that because. People argue that heels and faces don't matter anymore, but it does matter when that's what WWE booked them to be. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, regards to heel turns or deciding who's a heel or not, what about Jeff Hardy? No, not Jeff Hardy. What about Randy Orton? Do you think he's going to turn heel at any point? Because you were saying earlier on in the week there that you need you want him to turn heel ASAP. I mean, right. <sighs> We've been saying the same thing for a good couple of years now. And look, Randy Orton's like, forget who his dad is, right? If you just look at what he's done, right? Like, he's, he's an all, all-time great and he's like legit one of the greats of, of the era, right? You can't deny that. Whether whether you have him like as a, as a top guy, the number one or like top five, top ten, whatever, it doesn't matter, like he's one of the absolute greats of the last sort of 10, 15 years, right? I can count on one hand how many times like we've watched the Randy Orton match and been like, that was a real good match in the last sort of like 12 months or 16 months and you know which match I'm going to say? Luke Harper. Yep. And (sighs) I like Randy but Randy is a heel like he was a real bastard of a heel. He was really not likable at all as a heel. Like he had a couple of different gimmicks, the whole legend killer, and then when he went around like punting people in the head when he was hearing stuff and he's when he was hearing voices and stuff like that. And it was like this guy was like a real horrible, horrible heel. And I just feel like if you if he turned him heel, like it would, it would give him a new lease of life. And we were actually talking about. Because we we felt that I don't know if it was on the air or off the air, but we spoke about who Nakamura could could face. And I think we were texting one another actually because we thought Nakamura was going to win the title. So and we say is outside of 
AJ and Daniel Bryan. Like, who else is like a a, fa- a baby face that on SmackDown you you would look forward to having that feud? Like, I think I think we say SmackDown base only have like two real good feud, two two good faces. Who would they be? Daniel Bryan and AJ. AJ, like. It, again, it just it sort of depends. What do you perceive as someone who's a heel or someone who's a face? You know, like we'll touch on it later. But I'm not want to bring. I won't bring. I don't want to bring Roman into this conversation. But like I say, it's like is Brock a heel or is Brock a face? Like he does sort of heelish things in the sense that he just beats the shit out of people. But Brock's a wanker. That's do... what he is. <laughs> Fuck Brock. <laughs> he's not like. But he's not like. He doesn't cheat to win and stuff like that it just it just kicks the shit out of, shit out of folk mm-hmm. so for me there are like fine you can throw Randy into that whole um, he's a, he's one of the top faces on the Smackdown and yes but history and his name etc suggests that he is but I don't see it outside of Daniel Bryan and AJ and like unless I'm missing someone out Jeff Hardy I suppose as well um, um, but I, I just, I just feel that he would, if you turned him heel, like uh, you would, you would have a couple of real good fresh matchups. AJ, Daniel Bryan, and Randy Orton. I know that only happened a few years back, but I'd, I'm all, I'd be all in for that. You could go with a different dimension of Jeff Hardy and a heel Randy Orton. But I just feel like even forget even if you just forget the matchups for a minute, like just giving him the heel turn. It, like I said, it would just. To be a new lease of life for him, I believe. And like I say, he'd done his best work when he was a heel. He said that himself. He hates being a face. He said it on when he was on Edge and Christian's podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he yep. said, I can't wait to get this shit over and done with and be a heel again. And if he's saying that, which is on like basically public knowledge now, no wonder he doesn't seem as if he cares that much about what's going on. It's just. <clears throat> He's not done enough for me in the last 24 months, basically. See, I know he was out with his shoulder injury for a long time, and I did feel quite sorry for him with that carry-on with Brock Lesnar. But he's, he's not done anything of note for a long time, apart from the Luke Harper match. But maybe... I think he peaked... I think he reached his peak with the Seth Rollins match at WrestleMania. That match itself is really good, but the actual cage match that they had after that was fucking awful. That was really bad stuff. So I think since then, he's just went lower and lower down the pecking order. He doesn't do much for me. He's older. He's said himself for the public to hear that he's not interested in it anymore. He just wants to do enough on TV to bring the other guys up so he doesn't have to do house shows and all that stuff so he can be with his 19 children. And I don't know where the feud's going with Jeff Hardy, if it is going to continue, but... It's not even a case of me wanting a heel turn from Orton. I'm just, I'm ready for him to go. And and you know what, like, you got to commend the guy if he comes out and he says things like, "For me, it's not even about the love of the business anymore, or I don't really care anymore." Like, do you know what? At least you're honest about it. Like, is he holding anyone back, or is he taking someone's spot? Like, that would be the the only thing you would argue about those kind of statements he's making. I mean. Is he? I don't know. I don't, he hasn't really been relevant for the last 12 months. I know he had the whole thing with gender, but that was it. That's it. I just feel like a, a heel turn, it would it would open up a couple of fresh matchups. 
like so off the top of my head, I don't know if I ever saw AJ Orton. Yeah, there's been a TV match. Um, so, but for me, it was still it would threat. It was, I definitely think like it's just so stale, and it's just like I say, there's just there's no excitement when you see him. There's no, it's like fuck, just try and get this segment over and done with. And that's a shame because, like I say, he is. He's had an absolutely unbelievable career, but I say I just feel like a wee a wee a heel turn might benefit him and other people. Well, do you know whose heel run isn't going well? Just now, hazard a guess. <laughs> He's seven foot tall. Yeah, seven foot tall. Well, um, I don't actually think yes, seven foot tall. Kayfabe okay, be seven foot tall, but anyway. I will neither. Kane. I don't know, but he's a mayor now. Well, not yet, actually. He's not a mayor yet. The big red mayor. No. He's on his way though. That big cast Daniel Bryan match was fine. Well, it wasn't fine. It was just, in fact, it wasn't fine at all. It was a load of shite. <laughs> big cast. <laughs> is is Vince got a thing going on just now? Right, you have to do your signature pose, your signature taunt, as much as you can, and milk it as much as you can for a for a fan reaction. You had Ronda Rousey with the pointing. Now you've got Big Cast who's doing his Superman pose with his fist up in the air just to further enhance the fact that he's seven foot tall. You don't need reminded that he's that tall when he's flinging his hands in the air. He's just walking about the ring like a, a total dork bully. Um, he's, he's not the best wrestler, but his character shouldn't have to be the best wrestler. He mucked up with the, the yes lock. Looked like there was a gif going about where Daniel Bryan had to basically wrestle his own wrist into stopping the yes lock from taking place. And then this f- stupid 50-50 booking that you've got going on that I'm sick seeing, where someone loses cleanly, and then they have to, after the match, get the beat down back on them just to make sure that they stay strong. Pick a wrestler, make them look strong, and make the other one fall down the pecking order because of their loss. It does my boxing. This, I, hate, I hate 50-50 booking like that. If you're going to do some strong booking, do what they did with the likes of um, <clears throat> the first Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler match where Shayna Baszler had locked in armbars after armbars for the majority of the match and it was only a very sneaky but very tight sort of schoolboy roll-up that earned Ember Moon the victory. For me, although Ember won, Shayna Baszler looked very strong in that match. It just looked a wee bit naive and caught off guard. But this... See all that I know they only had two or three weeks build for the Colin Cassidy heel turn super push experiment. But he was made to look like an absolute fool. Tapping out in two seconds. Um You know what they should have just done? They should have just had Cass absolutely destroy Daniel Bryan. Aye. I would have been fine. In, with the, that. in the match. Like I can, I suppose now that they'll prolong this to Money in the Bank, with the idea maybe being we don't want to do Daniel Bryan and Miz until SummerSlam, perhaps. But maybe, maybe you could have went down a different route. Maybe you could have just went, right, okay, maybe it doesn't need a squash match, right? But it would be like Cass dominates about eighty percent of the match. Say Daniel Bryan gets a few kicks in, gets a few signature moves in. 
Looks like maybe we can make a comeback. Bang, Cass and nails him again. Cass beats him down, finishes him. Hand raises. After the match, Cass then puts the beating on him like he'd done again. Mm-hmm. And then that way you could potentially have Daniel Bryan come back out the following a couple of days later on SmackDown or the following week and attack Cass and be like, it's not because I lost, it's not because I'm a sore loser, sore loser. it's because that you tried to basically end my career again by what you'd done after the match sort uh-huh. of thing. And that was unnecessary. So you could have went down that route. Um, I, I'm, I, 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 we mentioned it. It was a elimination chamber where Braun destroyed everyone, lost to Roman, and then destroyed Roman just to make it look like, oh well, Roman, even though he win, but technically Braun walks out with the winner. That's mm-hmm. the same sort of thing here. Um, I would have just gone ahead and just had Cass beat on Daniel Bryan uh-huh. at this moment in time, like Daniel Bryan. That wouldn't have affected his popularity and who he is, etc. At the moment, like my only, I think my only thinking is that they're planning to keep this going for a couple of more months potentially. Um, but oh, man, like you, you talked a big game going into the match, and he ultimately lost. Yes, yeah. was... and, and I always say it like kayfabe or whatever you want to look at it my lasting like I don't care what happened after the match it's like you lost the match Uh because people look dominant on TV for many a week but when all is said and done when it comes to the pay-per-view match am I right yeah 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 yeah. that's what counts it's just the 50-50 booking they're too scared to make people look strong and um, I think Daniel Bryan he's going to recover from like fan like sort of fan sentiment, he'll always recover from no matter what beat down he gets because at the end of the day, if he gets beat easily by someone as inexperienced as Cass, people are just going to get angry and be on his side. So he'll always be over regardless. But for him to beat Cass, this doesn't make Cass look strong. Not the after the match beat down. It's just say say oh, fuck fifty fifty booking. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like, some, sometimes that kind of stuff, like what's just happened, like someone loses a match and you beat them down. Sometimes that has an like it works. Shayna Baszler and Ember Moon, like you said, because she beat the shit out of her after the match uh, when 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 she lost the first time. Uh-huh. Yeah, after the match, that was. So it just sort of like that in that sense. I didn't mind it so much because it was like, oh, you. You, I was beating the hell out of you, and you just, just got past me like you snuck past me, and I don't mind it. But too often it's like you say, it's like this guy's going to lose, but ultimately we're going to portray you to be the winner because you're going to walk out while the other guy's laid out. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I like I say, we we we've said this for a good few months now that we're just not fans of that kind of stuff. Um, but I would have, I personally, I would have probably just gone ahead. If, if depending, like I said, it's, it's a bigger how how they're feeling about Cass backstage, how Vince and everyone else. If they think that this guy's got a chance, if they want to see, if they want to really give him a push, then just go ahead and have have him destroy Daniel Bryan, and then destroy him after the match if you want to prolong this feud. Exactly. It's I don't like. <clears throat> I'm not sure. Like, 
Like, let's say they have another match in Money in the Bank. So say Cass goes over and wins, and then they might have a final match. Well, and then what, what if Daniel Bryan wins that? Then where do you then go with Cass? Because the whole thing that he's built his grudge against Daniel Bryan is that you were medical cured the same day as me, but no one cared about me. They only cared about little Daniel Bryan, and then he's been mocking his height and stuff. And if you're unable to beat little Daniel Bryan then now where do you go from a cafe point of view that I'm talking about the theme of the WWE creative whiteboard room at the moment is basically bullying because you've got Daniel Bryan being bullied for being small you've got Nia Jax being bullied by Alexa Bliss and she even cut a Be A Star promo after her win <laughs> which was just totally booed I know but it was clearly not her voice that was saying that, though. That's what was annoying about that. Um, because I was all all about Nia Jax in the lead-in. thought she's been doing a really good job as a sort of face champion. Uh, and then for her to start getting these scripts handed to her, it's, all oh, here we go. But the other bullying thing is people getting hit in the balls with this AJ Nakamura. And if you want to look up a picture of 50-50 booking in the Wrestling Dictionary then you've got this match. This was infuriating. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this one because the loophole that they used, I mean, this wasn't a double count-out. A count-out happens when you're out of the ring. Both men get disqualified in an ODQ match. This is a, this is a stupid loophole. And how much patience do you think we've got this loophole to continue a feud and what more often than not delivers a finality a, a gimmick match like this delivers a final sort of outcome it's unfair for us as fans it's going down the same roads eerily sort of strangely so as Owens versus AJ from last year which ended up just being a vehicle for Owens to get an authority angle storyline on the go is this going to be another vehicle to further a NACA storyline at AJ's expense or is that is that how you treat one of the top two, three in the business? I don't think so. The match was good. The hype package beforehand was excellent. I really enjoyed that hype package. It made Nakamura look like a deranged maniac. His fight, I think, his fighting style, as well as his mannerisms, also is more suited to being a heel the way he fights. Much more palatable, less less tongue in cheek. Now it comes across that way. Uh, and that turn of sort of ill fortune, misfortune with the chair shot missile going wrong, doing seemed to do more damage to AJ than it did Sinsky. But it was just completely overshadowed by another non finish. Something a non finish that they basically did less than two weeks ago. This is such a shame. This was supposed to be a dream feud, and it's one of the more annoying parts of the whole pay per view. So, right. <clears throat> right, so you said quite a bit, so I'll try and break it down a little bit. So I'll say a few things, and I'd like you to sort of retort. Okay. So first things first, the match itself was really good. Mm-hmm. It was. Ig- ig- ignore the double kick to the nuts, right? Ignore that for a second, right? Everything, like you said, from promo, promo package to the start of the match to the middle, everything up until that point was really really good as was the match at Wrestlemania I enjoyed it as was the match at Greatest Royal Rumble 
forget, like I say, the ending of his last two matches haven't exactly been ideal, and I'm being very, very nice there. So, that's point number one. Try and, like, try and just appreciate what we saw up until the double kick in the nuts, right? So, that was a good match. Second of all, it was, the referee said it was neither man was able to answer the ten count. Am I right? Yes. So it was a double count out. No, as opposed come to on. a double DQ. But I would have to look get... that up because as far as I'm concerned, a count out is when you're outside of the ring. Please no, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but no way. <laughs> no way, right. Jose. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking about a last man standing, right? But when both guys or women are laid out on the floor, the ref starts... In the ring, the ref starts a 10 count, does he not? Uh-huh. But it's not a so, count out. It's... Right. Well, he says both men were unable to answer the 10 count. So it wasn't a double DQ, because you can't get a double DQ in a no DQ match. It was just a case of neither man was able to answer the count and get to their feet. So... That's that point, and, and and the next one is is obviously going to lead to money in the bank, no DQ, no count out, no nothing, no whatever the hell you want. What would you call that, that match? Just a case, no holes barred, I guess. Don't know. It would just be like it would be like a street fight or whatever, and they'll make a point of saying no count outs, um, no DQs or whatever, and the only way you can win the match is either by pinfall or submission. So we're going to get that. But do we need that match? Like, I was, I was with you. I thought this was going to be the... the, the final face-off between these two. Um, the ending of the match just literally left a real bad taste in everyone's mouth because now we can't really appreciate what we saw before it because of how it ended. It should have ended on Sunday, the match. The feud, sorry. We've got to now go through sort of the next five weeks, and then who knows if it might we might even fucking somehow try and prolong it past that. Oh, Jesus, I wouldn't put it past them, but but I'm just I'm I'm just done with it now. Like I I thought that was going to be it, and and if if it did conclude on Sunday there, I would have looked back in this feud and said, you know what, I kind of enjoyed that. I kind of enjoyed that. Forget the whole shitty finish in Saudi Arabia. Other than that, I quite enjoyed this feud that they two had. Did it live up to expectations? I don't think it was ever going to live up to expectations because everyone had built up so much in their head, mm-hmm. you know. So it was it was always going to it was never going to hit the heights that you thought it was because probably the, the our our um, expectations were unrealistic. <sighs> but <sighs> it should have ended on Sunday. It really, really should have. Um, and I know, and I suppose we were going to touch on it later on, but we may as well just touch on it now. A little bit, but you mentioned earlier on it was at the start of the show about the match order. Yes. So, and a lot of people had issues with Roman closing the show, but I'm not personally going to be about Roman. So I, I want to give a shout out to Rance and Jordan Fox on the World Class Podcast. So they said, right, and and, I, and this was a real good point that they brought up that the reason probably Roman and Joe went back because. That, along with AJ Naka, 
those were probably the two most hype matches from each right? bra- from each brand, yeah. Um, so one of those were obviously going to close the show, and it probably and I'll quote these. I'll quote Jordan and and Raz, They didn't want to close the show with a double dick shot. Well, don't right? do the double dick shot in the first that's, place. So that, that's so that's the other argument to it. Then just don't do it. <laughs> Sorry for shouting you know? at you. I know it's not your fault, but. Um, just don't, maybe just don't do that. But that was their argument. I just I was going to mention it earlier on the show, but I thought I'd wait until this point. So that's probably why this match didn't close because they didn't want to end the show that way because they wanted to prolong this feud. But like you just got to sit and ask yourself, like, did does this feud need to go on longer? Which one? This AJ Naka. Oh, so you're you want an answer, an opinion? No, yeah. I mean, I don't. I know your answer to it, but go ahead. Uh, no, it's just I wasn't sure if you were still being rhetorical or not. So, uh, <laughs> the I think they need to move on from it very quickly because SmackDown, the Superstar Shakeup occurred, and everyone thought, "Oh my lordy lord, look at SmackDown's roster!" And there's not been much. I know it's been only a few weeks, but there hasn't been much further advancement of any of the storylines really. You've got folk like Big Cass getting a super push. Um, Almas hasn't even arrived yet. Sanity haven't even arrived yet. You've still got um, the Bludgeon Brothers in the New Day. No, that's that's kind of fresh, I suppose. But there's a lot. Sorry, of, uh, sorry, quickly cut you off. Right, see when Almas arrives, the game will change. We'll see. We'll see. I really hope you're correct, and I would love. I would pay lots of money to see that happen. <laughs> Uh, like, like I said last week, I just love what they've done with him so far. Uh-huh. I thought, I thought it was genius of them not to bring him in on the superstar shakeup and not even bringing him in the next uh-huh. week or the week after that. And they've just had these little wee thirty second videos, and I'm like, I really like what you've done. It, to me, it feels like they're treating him like like a big deal. But yeah. continue, sorry. Well, I think because of the rosters being so stacked with incredible talent, I mean, you've got an argument for a new SmackDown six here, um, but there's nothing. As- it's pretty stagnant already, and with the back-to-back pay-per-views that left a bitter taste in fans' mouths, they need to get the ball rolling, and they need to do it quickly. So that's why, Ricky, I am going to... What's the name of the guy on around the NFL? What's his name? Well, I mean, there's several of them. The guy who says locking it up. They all, they all see it. Right, well, well, shout out to around the NFL, which I've never listened to. Um, I'm going to make a prediction right now, and I'm locking it up. <laughs> locking what up? <laughs> oh, I, I should explain that. Um, next week, <laughs> live from England, UK, there will be a WWE. <laughs> England, UK. <laughs> there will be a WWE title match between AJ Nakamura, and Nakamura will win. I am adamant that's going to happen. And I'm willing right. to... What? Not continue what you're willing to what? I'm willing to do a forfeit if I'm wrong because they both hinted, well, AJ hinted that he's, he's willing to put the title on the line if Nakamura really wants it. They are in the habit of booking matches on social media and between weeks, um, AJ won the title in England last time. It's happening. He's losing that so, title on th- next Tuesday night. Just to clarify here for myself and the listeners, you are willing to forfeit what? I will hand over 
responsibilities to yourself for the following week <laughs> in terms of hosting. So you need to do the start, the send off, the plugs. I mean, that's quite easy. I already know how I'm going to introduce the show. Do I you? can give you a quick, quick sneak preview if you wish right now. Okay. Here we go. It'll just be like, hi, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. As you can tell, it's Ricky speaking. I will be your host this week. I'm joined by Clive. How are you, Clive? Oh, um, you would need reply. Um, pissed off, guys. Yeah, can I just can I just can I just cut you off there? So, folks, you will not hear Clive's voice the rest of the show. <laughs> it was all about me. You do realise, listeners, that I I have the recording equipment in my house. Yes, but, but you'll continue recording my voice. And while what's happening, I'll be tweeting out things. <laughs> I'll be basically doing that fraping where I'll be using your initial in tweets <laughs> and saying, I love Enzo Amore, he's the greatest. Please bring back Brie Fuck. Bella. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, challenge accepted. So we won't... Next week's show could be very different. Regardless, it will be very different. We've either got Nakamura as the SmackDown champion, which is happening, ladies and gents, or it will be the the Ricky wrestling show. Hmm. Indeed, no, but like, just my my final thought regarding this feud. Like, if it ends next week, then good. But I think it will be end. It will run to money in the bank, which it has to end at that point. You know. There was no need to have the fourth match, but mm-hmm. we're getting it. Uh, if the, if the first three of it to go by, I'm looking forward to it in the sense that not so much. Uh, I want to kind of contradict myself. Like I don't want to see it, but when when the bell rings, like I'm look, I'll I'll watch it and I'll, I'll quite I'll most likely enjoy what they're going to put on because, like I said, the first three matches have, have been quite enjoyable. I'm just worried of the finish. Like, how are you going to do the finish? I think, I think the fourth one probably will be a sort of a, a clean-ish finish. Um, because it's a no, D, it would be a no DQ, no countout, etc. So there's no way to cheat to win. Mm-hmm. So submission, maybe. But maybe, um, it, like I say, it was just a case of it, the feud should have ended there on Sunday, but. Like I say, the way that ended it actually just left a real bad taste in people's mouths, and it's like, mm-hmm. really, that's what you came up with? Well, there was a, there was another match that left a bad taste in people's mouths, and since I'm in a mood for hot takes, Charlotte versus Carmella. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been looking forward to <laughs> for days. Right. Okay. Here we go. This was a. Good display from Carmella. Yes, I did say it. It was a good shit heel display. Trash talking, moonwalking, not letting up, getting in Charlotte's face, just annoying. And I imagine the fact that she beat Charlotte, quote unquote, clean, especially after what happened with Charlotte beating Asuka, it won't sit well with the majority. In fact, it doesn't sit well, I know that. But you know what? What happened for me made complete sense, right? There might be folks swearing at me right now. Fair enough. Charlotte, yeah, I'm one of them, but continue. Charlotte injured her knee during the match and Carmella capitalised. Heel Tactics 101 right there. Charlotte, she hardly ever misses that moonsault. I can't remember her actually missing the moonsault at all. Maybe if someone sat down with me and said, here, there and this, fine. But 
she doesn't miss him. And in the hype package for this match, Charlotte hit Carmella with that same moonsault at least two or three times, maybe more. I'm not sure, but anyway, all Carmella did was adapt to the threat. And what what's Carmella's ongoing theme? What does she do? Make the most of opportunities. Right, I'll just try yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll let you continue. The floor is yours at the moment. I'm not going to say a single word until you so finish. She makes the most of, whether we like it or not, by the way, she makes the most of impossible situations put in front of her. Like the snivelling, cowardly heel that she is. She took advantage of Charlotte's bum knee. Was she going to win that match in a fair and square contest against a 100% Charlotte? No, not in a million, not in a squillion years. But Carmella winning, in fact, Carmella's run since the Tuesday after Mania has been sensible booking, just like most of her title reign, I think it has been booked consistently she wins when Charlotte's down, she still hasn't toppled peak Charlotte in my opinion that's what people need to remember I just, I mean people need to take a step back, try not to throw a hissy fit if their favourite doesn't win they need to throw a hissy fit if the booking doesn't make sense and in this instance again for me it was booked to the strengths of Carmela's character. Would you like to retort? Um, right. So, are you okay with Carmela beating Charlotte clean? Because it was clean, right? Despite Charlotte just ending Asker streak just about, what, say maybe four weeks or so ago or whatever it was five weeks maybe yes I just spent a few minutes detailing why clean I wouldn't say that was clean not one hint not squeaky she didn't do any heel tactics not squeaky listen we know for a fact that Carmela's a dodgy lassie she got a she got a bloody mutant to win her the money in the bank briefcase because she couldn't hack it, she couldn't hack it against all those much superior superstars. She has always been an inferior wrestler, and everyone knows that, including Carmela. That's why she is a sneaky cow. Right. Okay. First things first, right? Carmela, I saw, I watched videos of her doing stuff with the New Day. I think it was. Did she not have Big E? I think it was in the mixed tag. Challenge this, thing. this isn't another one of Xavier Woods' videos, is it, that you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. it is. But not one of those ones. So I enjoyed, like, see, I saw her doing things like that, and I was like, okay, I like her, I like her. Gimmick-wise, it's, it's pretty much perfect. She can talk. She is very unlikable, like her character. She's very annoying, very irritating. She talks a lot of trash before the match, during the match. Like, I... Like, gimmick-wise, she's got it down to an absolute T. I've told you, right, and, and, and you know this, that I would take a match between two guys or two women that I know that are going to put on like a four- or five-star match, right, and the build-up to it can be absolute shite because they've been terrible on the mic, right? And I've also said sometimes you just get those perfect builds and then a perfect match, <clears throat> so for me, what I'm saying to you is I understand if some people say um, gimmick and entertainment and the non-wrestling thing, that's what they like. And I understand, like, that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. 
that's that's what you like and no one can argue with it. Me personally, I take the wrestling over the other stuff, right? So for me, A, she's not ready. She wasn't ready to come up from NXT and she isn't ready to hold that title, right? Which isn't her fault because, like I said, she's still quite green. She still isn't... She isn't going to be on Sasha Charlotte's level at the moment and if she ever is, it's not going to happen for a good few years because they've been in the business a lot longer. So her wrestling ability isn't up to par, right? Despite how much I love her gimmick and how and who she is and I love her on social media as well. So that's number one. Her wrestling ability is nowhere near up to scratch. She's still green. She's still learning. And you should not be learning on the job as the face of that division. The match against Charlotte, right? Charlotte couldn't even go into fucking second gear because of who she was wrestling. That's because Carmela so, had her grounded with a variety of submission holds and wrapping around the turnbuckle. I, 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 right, fine, I get that, right? We weren't supposed to enjoy the match. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying anything bad about the actual match itself or anything. I'm just talking about Carmela and her wrestling ability. So now you have got Charlotte, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. A case to be made right there that they are three of the four best women wrestlers in the company. Right, they're certainly in the top five of three of them. Right, so now we need to rather than getting to watch potentially Becky Lynch having a title or up against Charlotte or asking anyone, we now need to go through Carmella. Who, like, I know off air, I think earlier on you said something like she hasn't, I said she hasn't had a good match, but you said but she hasn't had like a really bad match. Am I correct? I said she's never had a really good match. And <laughs> right, do you know what then? You're going on about you. The wrestling comes first and foremost. So is that is that the reason why you can't accept Charlotte winning? Not winning is because Charlotte is a far superior wrestler than Carmella. No, like right, and I'll get to this point as well. Charlotte is a far superior wrestler, right? I, I've, I've said it time and time again, Charlotte will mean to the women's wrestling in general what her dad means and she could potentially have a greater name than her dad, right? right so what is your problem with this match then? It, my, is it the match? Is the fact that you've given a title... I, I didn't even have an issue when Carmella cashed in because how she cashed in, how she won it made all the sense in the world, right? Right. I, my issue is we are now going to be subjected to very, very mediocre matches potentially for a few months while she's got this title and I'm being extremely generous right there and I saw again I'm not sure where the quote came from but I saw on Twitter and once again Jordan and Vance of the World Class Podcast they used the quote and I'm, I'm going to use it if you don't mind guys they read that someone wrote a review and basically said Carmella reminds them of a women wrestler from back in sort of like 2006-2007 sort of time where back then women wrestling was nothing it was all about are you good looking are you pretty and beautiful oh that's good enough now come on in because we'll just pretend that that's all the women are useful for so that to me it harkens back to that we could have potentially given Becky Lynch a title right like I said I don't have an issue with Carmella cashing in because the way she cashed in made sense I have an issue the fact that now we are going to be subjected to mediocre women's matches and if she she's beaten Charlotte and now, who's next? It's probably, you would imagine, it's going to have to be someone like Becky, Asuka, or Naomi, maybe. 
are we now going to be subjected to that kind of stuff for the next few months as well? And I, 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 I it's not so much that Charlotte's one of my absolute favourites. I can understand you can get sort of you can get fed up watching the same person in the same position for so long, and that's fine. Like sometimes you, you need there's there's a cycle. You're on top, and then at some point, no matter who you are, you've got to then start to shift down towards the mid card, leave it down, and then eventually coming back up to the top card, top of the card. And that's probably what they're going to do with Charlotte just now, and I can accept that. What I can't accept is I'm about to witness mediocre wrestling from a woman whose gimmick is down to an absolute T, but her wrestling ability is nowhere near it. Speaking of which, then. If you're not happy because her wrestling ability is something we're going to be subjected to for a long time, then why were you happy that Rusev beat Daniel Bryan last night? That, right, that isn't a comparable thing whatsoever. It most Rusev certainly is. Rusev is, is, he is mediocre as fuck in that ring. In, in the ring? Yes. Rusev's really good in the ring. And then you couple the fact that, like I say, sometimes you get that perfect build to the perfect match between your perfect wrestlers. Well, sometimes you just get the perfect gimmick with the... I'm not going to... No one's perfect in the ring. Sometimes you just get that great gimmick with someone who's really good in the ring, and that's what you've got with Rusev. All Rusev has is his gimmick, and he's got the accolade and a super kick. He does not. What else then? Tell me. Tell me five moves right now. Well, he's got what, like you said, the accolade, and he's got that. I can't even pronounce it. Mosh, Mosh. How do you say? How do you say that? Time's up. I'm trying. See, from a credibility standpoint, Carmela has had more success in the last calendar year than Rusev has. But it's annoying that Carmela is doing well for herself, but it's okay for Rusev, who has been made to look a fool for the, now the majority of his career because he beat someone who could in real life tie him up in knots regardless of his size. Is that all right? Because it's Rusev Day today. No, Fuck right. Rusev Day, man. Oh, Jesus. No, that's not comparable, right? I understand where you're coming from with that, right? <coughs> Sorry. I understand where you're coming from in terms of, because you're comparing sort of like Daniel Bryan and Charlotte, who are two of the greatest wrestlers in the world right now, in Rusev and Carmella. The comparison to Rusev and Carmella, just no, that's not on because Rusev, in comparison to where Carmella is at the moment, it's night and day, right? In ring ability, in ring ability, Rusev is really, really good. And I don't understand what you're saying. Like he's been, he's done really nothing probably in about twelve to eighteen months or whatever, right? But again, it comes back to booking. It doesn't come back to the character or his ability in the ring because let's be honest about it has there been a more popular guy in the wrestling in WWE in the last 12 months that's based on gimmick though I mean half but that time he wasn't he's even wrestling the put that, he's the one that's put the gimmick over and then people still relate to what he'd done in the ring the, his initial US title run as well I know I'm going further back but I've, I need to I've got evidence that suggests from day one when he came into WWE, he's good in the ring. His initial US title run was unbelievable as well. Did they ever have a clinic? His stuff with John Cena was really good. It wasn't a clinic. I like well, his his Carmella had a, a clinic because you seem quite content with this title run. I can I can I can tell you multiple multiple people who have not had a clinic 
whether it be in WWE or in a hell of a long time. Nakamura, before the AJ Styles match, ha- had done nothing and outside the stuff with um, Bobby Roode, which was decent. Yeah, his only good match was Sami Sami Zayn when he first came in. Kevin Owens, by the way, has hasn't had really had a great match in a while either. I'm unhappy with how Kevin Owens has been treated. Right, well, he's been treated, but he's been booked poorly, right? And it's the same way Rusev was booked poorly. You can't knock Rusev's ring ability. You can if you want, but I'm not going to turn around and say Rusev's on the same level as Seth and AJ, etc., etc. But the comparison to me for Rusev and Carmella, it's not a comparison whatsoever, because like I said, Rusev, I think Rusev is much further along than what Carmella is. I understand that's probably time in the ring and experience, etc., but the comparison, I don't, I don't get the comparison at all. And, and if that's if we're going to go by that, then the best wrestler should always win. Then, like, why is Brock Lesnar get the title? I know why, the best wrestler shouldn't. The best wrestler shouldn't always win. And I, I, that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying to you is that for me, Carmella holding the title means that I'm now going to have to watch potentially a couple of months or a year, two years, five. I don't care how long. But we're now watching a woman holding the title who isn't quite ready to hold the title because she can't put on the kind of match that other people can when there's other people like Becky Lynch who who is probably who's arguably maybe maybe the most popular female wrestler in the company maybe outside of say Sasha maybe aye underground popular aye who again is every bit as good as any female wrestler but yet we overlooked her like I'm not saying I'm not saying I was I was fine with um Carmella cashing in, right, because it made sense. I wasn't happy that she win it. I still wouldn't have had her win it, but she cashed in at an opportune time, which made sense. I thought someone with Iconic, for instance, would come down and help her win, retain the title. But now, I don't know what they're going to do. So, like I say, I just... For me, it would make... It would be quite bad now if she then loses the title, like at Money in the Bank or the next, next SmackDown or whatever. She'll lose it on TV next week. I'm, I'm locking it up. No, I say I just like her gimmick and everything's really good, right? But she isn't ready to hold that spot. You can, you can't, you can't be that green and that raw, and be in that position. And this isn't a knock on her; it's the, it's like the people who made that decision. And this has got nothing to do with the fact that I love Charlotte or anything. Like I probably, I thought they wouldn't take the title off Charlotte for a long time, right? And and I'll tell you right now. I would have been content if the if Carmella cheated to win, like or she had outside help. But uh-huh. now that she didn't, suggest to me that that she might hold it for a little bit longer, and she might not ever need to have like Iconics or whoever else it might, which she might team up with to help her. So my issue is that now that Charlotte dropped the title so soon, I don't see Char- Carmella dropping the title that quickly now because it, mm-hmm. it just it makes you think like, wait. Carmella held the title for four weeks, so why the hell did she beat Charlotte? Not once, but twice. Why Why would you not have her go on a prolonged run with the title? Right, well, a couple of points before we move on, because we might end up on this one for a long time, and we've got other things to discuss, right? Um, a couple of points are, you've got a lot of... Smackdown's women division feels quite face heavy just now I still don't see Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose as a credible threat but you can't just have two or three 
you've mentioned Charlotte, Asuka and Becky Lynch. You can't have those three carry the show the whole year, all the while burying all the heels in the process. You need, you need a strong heel. Well, strong's the wrong word. You need a heel that keeps winning and annoys the shite out of you so that when the face finally wins, it feels like a good thing, a big moment. Um, a couple of things I would have changed. Yes, I probably would have had the Iconics involved in this match. And in hindsight, she could have Carmella could have had a stronger fall season. She seemed to go by the wayside for a wee while. It's as if they had no idea for her. Lastly as well, I know we're going on about Carmella, but you need to remember that it was either Laurinaitis or Michael Hayes that booked that match because there was a point in that match where Carmella transitioned into her silent, I can't remember the name of the finisher, but it's like a pretty cool finisher and she locked it in out of nowhere she transitioned very well I think she's a good transitional wrestler laugh at me if you want but she's got good sequences in her at the moment and I think she just needs to hone on that keep her doing the matches and house shows and um, Carmella will be the best wrestler you've ever seen ever since Bruno San Martino yeah I see we move on okay I think I've lost quite a few friends tonight, to be honest with you. No, like, uh, look, I'm not <laughs> knocking Carmella, like, in the sense that, as a person, because you don't know her person or anything like that, her gimmick, let us say, is, is, is excellent. I hate her, from, like, a kayfabe point of view, and exactly that's exactly what you should be feeling towards like, someone like her, Aye. that kind of heel. It's not go away heat, it's I hate you heat. It, it's not go away heel, heat whatsoever it is, I hate you, and I want someone to slap the hell out of you heat. Right? My issue, like I say, is, is the fact that we could be subjected to some real mediocre wrestling matches. Like I said, I think she's too green and too raw to be put in the position she is right now. I don't, I don't think she is. And, that, and that's not a knock on her at all, because like I say she's she's doesn't she's nowhere near experienced as a lot of the other people. And ultimately, to bring her up from NXT was the wrong call. I think we all said that at the time. Or if you're going to bring her up, you should have brought her up with. Cass and the one that won't be named <laughs> right let's move on I've not got anything else to say in the matter I do but we'll, we've got another contentious talking point um, I wonder who that might be well take your pick <laughs> <laughs> we're getting quite aggro with each other tonight aren't we it's fine been building for over a year now to be fair it has we've been far too nice to one another I know we all we get a wee bit scared when the microphones are on but I'm coming for you <laughs> son <laughs> it's the PG version of Booker T's promo the very PG version right Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe your thoughts Ricky please <sighs> that kind of sums it up it was I think I text you saying I was expecting a much more hard-hitting affair. Mm-hmm. It started off that way. Yeah, then it kind of boiled down to a couple of chin locks and a sleeper hold that Roman appeared to tap out in. Um, uh, exactly, aye. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So I think, so like to, to defend it, I think it wasn't so much a tap, it was more so like, you know how sometimes like when you're in that position, you're sort of frantically moving your arm and you're trying to get, I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to, trying to defend that guy that I really like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, like Charlotte earlier. Ah, <clears throat> okay. Um, I, no, I for me, I was surprised that Roman win 
I thought, like I said last week, I thought from a kayfabe point of view, like you have Smaller Joe making all these threats, so you would imagine he would be booked to win because otherwise he might look a bit silly. Um, did they get the match order right? Oh well, yeah, we did. If they were going to go ahead and do the double nut shot, because like I say, as we spoke about earlier on, it's not exactly like a way to finish the pay per view. Um, yeah, it's, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't what I was expecting. Nah, it was a poor, poor show to be honest with you. Um, like, it was just it's the show itself. Like it had its ups and downs. Like I didn't love the show, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here and utterly crap all over it. Like it wasn't. It wasn't great. It was average at best, but it is what it is. I think the match had I don't think it had any place being last at all fair enough it's the arguably the biggest sort of main event wrestlers of each brand facing off against each other um, but they've not really had a proper build you would have put AJ Naka last but they've put it on last it was a really dull in the middle after a hot start and Roman win, winning I don't think it really made much sense to me actually it wasn't even how he won the final finisher, after taking untold damage, isn't limited to Reigns. Like, one of my favourites, Mustafa Ali, always comes back from lots of beatdowns time and again, but it's that if Roman... What annoys me is that if Roman wins this and he can't beat Bork Lesnar, then does that not make the the gulf, the kayfabe gulf between Brock and the rest of the roster that much bigger? Brock, he's got Roman in his back pocket. Reigns has the strongest threat in Joe in his back pocket. So I'm starting to sound like some Steiner maths here. If Roman is going to be <laughs> Roman's going to beat everyone else, but he can't deal with Brock, what hopes do we have that the title is going to come off of that arsehole's waist anytime soon? The it's just further accentuates the fact that the main event title picture on Raw is broken. The main event scene on Raw on the raw night of Monday is broken. Deletion. So, Mike Mahan needs to what? I read. I read a report that apparently Brock isn't going to be at Money in the Bank. <sighs> right. So that's just a report. I don't know how true that is. Right, but it could be like I say because some of these things are true, some are not. Um. Mm. Who beats Brock? Like I said earlier on, I think it's going to be whoever wins it and cashes in on him after a match. They need to do the um, reenact the hardcore twenty four seven rule where the camera follows the money in the bank briefcase winner to Lesnar's farm. <laughs> <laughs> and there he is, just out in his big truck, his big tractor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I love that title. <laughs> um, not the universal title, that is a hardcore title. So, <clears throat> for me, I know when we touched on it, it would be Brock, it would be Seth or Braun. So now you mentioned that Romans put a, some daylight between himself and the chasing pack to him, but there's clear daylight between Brock and Roman in terms of a credible enough threat. Uh-huh. So just to quickly touch on Brock before we go back to Roman, I I like I, said, I think it's Seth. And going by what you say is if Roman has just dealt with arguably the biggest threat, then 
what chance does Seth stand? I think Seth but, stands a chance because Seth beat Roman. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Like, um, and I know Brock's Brock's been built up to be this beast, but Seth's got the ring intelligence, uh, technical ability, etc. Um, but to go back to to Roman, I don't know where this is going to lead. Um, obviously, we know what happened on Raw after it, but for me, the biggest talking point was where people left before the match and during the match. Right. And and whether or not a lot of people put that down to Roman or someone else, but a lot of people have made their mind up that everyone left because it was Roman in the main event. Like, they're not even going to consider the New York traffic. They might not going to consider Jersey or whatever it was. They're not going to consider the fact that the show overran by a good half hour. They're not going to consider that it was getting late. Hell, they're not even going to consider that people didn't even want to see Joe. Like, I understand that's not legally right, but still, people are not even going to consider it. It's all just Roman is in the main event. We don't want to watch Roman anymore. Because people who are angry about stuff or pissed off about stuff, they're generally the loudest people in the room because they want change. And I've seen it so many times, so many times in the past. Just because there's a, a portion of a crowd that are booing Roman doesn't mean everyone hates Roman. I think what they were doing, right, so there are reasons. Many, as you say, it could be traffic. You've got the pay-per-view was in New Jersey, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So there could be people going home to New York that night. The show run late and it's 20 past 11 p.m., and you've got a chin lock at the back of, like, after 11 o'clock at night, you've got a chin lock for more than five minutes. And that's probably one of the bigger reasons that the um, people left. Just got to take into account that they didn't... I'm kind of going off on one here in a tangent, but there's a chance that if it finished at 11, people would have stayed. It didn't help those chin locks in the match, but I think the main problem isn't that match that people left, because people are going to stay in boo regardless. However, if it... If it turns out that people leaving as a form of protest or whatever you want to call it is what finally sees people change their minds backstage, then I think it's a good thing to do. But this this geek parade that they had halfway through the show, there was absolutely no need for that to be on the main card. None, even on an on paper like so-so card, it stretched out by another twenty minutes or so for a momentum-killing pre-show only. I'm telling you, that should have been on the pre-show at very most. A pre-show worth a geek parade. It's basically Jobber Memorial Battle Royal stuff. The only thing that made me laugh about that was Bobby Roode seemed to sort of manifest out of complete thin air. I don't know where he came from at all. That was teleportation stuff. No. I it, mean, people being live probably, like I say, it, it, the show went on longer than it should have, and maybe the that's why they did leave but me personally I kind of enjoyed that segment partly I guess because we're just watching it from home so we don't have that same that same need to quickly just turn it off because we're in our homes watching it so these people are trying to leave and go potentially so I understand I understand that completely but for me it's just this whole mentality that everyone left because of Roman and I don't buy that that like even if that's true right then and what? Like, what are you going to? What do you blame the SmackDown attendance on? We'll blame Roman for that, shall we? I read. I read an article. Where someone says 
that basically it's not Roman, it's not WWE's fault. What's happening with Roman is Roman because he's not up to his game. We are in scripted fucking entertainment. <laughs> he has been booked a certain way. He has been portrayed a certain way. His matches are being laid out a certain way. This isn't boxing or fucking MMA. It is scripted entertainment where he's been told to do something and he's got to go do it. I understand that people say, well, Seth Rollins is in the same boat where he's scripted certain ways, but his match layouts are differently. He's booked differently. In, in Ro- you remember when Roman was on Chris Jericho's podcast a while back? Mm-hmm. I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember the exact quote, but it went basically like this. He says, talking about his character and his gimmick, he says, if you're a Hollywood actor, right, and you sign up to a, a movie and the director hands you the script and you look at the script and you know that you're not, you don't buy it, you don't get it or you don't like it, but because you're invested in the film or because you've agreed to do it, you'll go ahead with the role even though you're not in- invested in it. That's how he compared Roman Reigns on TV. He compared it to reading Vince McMahon's script that he doesn't agree with, but he does it because the boss tells him to do it. So I don't buy into the whole Roman should be doing better, but, but this is how he's been booked. I, I don't know where it's going to go. It's They're going with him and gender right now. But I just don't buy into this whole nonsense that people are fed up while Romans continue being shoved down their throat, etc., etc. Well, you weren't complaining when Seth Rollins went fucking 80 minutes on a Raw gauntlet match. Like, was that not being forced? He beat Roman Reigns and John fucking Cena. The two biggest names in that company, probably. Back to back. I mean, people weren't complaining about that. The only thing I agree with, the only thing I've got very mild contention with is, okay, he's been given strict guidelines on what to do, but it seems to be working well with Braun, Elias, there's probably one or two more, and we know that they're very hands-on, Vince is very hands-on with them, you can just tell, it comes across. I I mean, I agree agree with you, but why is it working for someone, not for him? Because... Braun has just been booked to murder anyone in sight. So why can't they book Roman better? I don't know, but let's boo Roman, but let's not boo the fucking man that makes all decisions. But when Vince McMahon appears on the TV screen, we'll fucking cheer him. So, see, I know, I know. And I think it's backfired again, because do you think, this is a question I'm asking for an answer, do you think that they thought, having gender, Mahal, interfere in the Money in the Bank qualifying match would get sympathy for Roman because I think that's going to backfire big time and it's going to make Jinder a comedy face, like a face just to get under Roman Reigns' nose So, right um, I think probably, maybe, yeah it depends on, it sort of it, it runs with the theme that he was screwed in Saudi Arabia, he was Brock's the chosen one um, they never told Roman until the last minute that Brock was going to win or whatever that promo was and now Jinder comes out to cost him a Money in the Bank title uh, chance to get into that match so it ties in with the whole you've got it out for me sort of thing ah oh, man Roman like I've come to I've, I think I'm now at the point where I don't believe you can do anything to get Roman universally cheered no it's never like, going to happen like, 
and I'm, and and what I'm about to say is what they're doing right now. You can literally bring out a man, right, that can run down every single city and state in America and 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 run down the country of America, right? And Roman could come out and defend. Who'd come out to defend the honor of the country, but they'll still end up booing Roman. And that's what effectively we're sort of doing with that whole anti-USA USA gimmick, uh, gender had sort of thing. Um, nothing, nothing Romy can do in my mind will get him cheered. Nothing at all. Apart from probably turning him officially heel, then he'll probably get cheered. Right, and that's the other thing. Like we spoke about it earlier on, and like, I was talking to Vance off air. And he made a good point in the sense that, like, nothing that Roman does is baby-faced-ish. I know, but and, look at all the opponents he's had over the last year or so. They've all been here. And that's, that's the thing. And, like, I countered that to Van saying it basically, well, not so much countered it, but I say as well, when you look at somebody like Brock, Brock's neither a face or a heel, but he became the face in the Samoa Joe battle because Samoa Joe was portrayed as a heel. But then when he went into the AJ Styles match, he sort of came off like Brock is meant to be the heel because AJ was the face. I I just I wouldn't go with a heel turn if I'm honest because I don't see how that's going to resolve it because people are then going to still say, oh well now he's getting booed because it's heel heat, but it's not really because he still potentially might still be getting quote unquote shoved down her throat. Aye, um, probably. I would just like honestly see like obviously we all assumed everybody did that he was going to win at WrestleMania. Then he didn't, and we all probably assumed he's going to win at Saudi Arabia. So maybe the plan was never to put the title on him, right? But let's just say the plan is to put the title on him at some point. I would just get it over and done with, and just do you know what? And just be like, boo, cheer, do what he's want. This is who we're going with, and I've been adamant about that. Um, but maybe they're not going to go with Roman. But I still don't perceive the whole. Roman being shoved down her throat and people continually say well he's closed Wrestlemania four years in a row uh, how many times in those matches how many, did he only win like, he only won once right well he won twice when Triple H and that was it or Undertaker right and the Undertaker match was closed because it was the Undertaker and it was probably should have been a retirement match that's the only reason why that closed right so like, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. Like, honestly, like, there was a time where he was, like, like, sort of down the mid-card and he was still getting booed. And it's like, right, what, is he still getting shoved down your throat? Like, he's not in the main event picture. He's not main eventing. Him, he's out. Him being a failure has been shoved down the throats. Him what? Him being a failure is being shoved down their throats. Like, that's the other thing. Like, how can... I saw Meltzer reported that apparently they're trying to go with the whole Daniel Bryan up against authority sort of thing storyline with Roman and it's like you got your ass handed to you at Wrestlemania at no point was that controversial mm-hmm. the only controversial thing was the Saudi Arabia one and and that was it mm-hmm. and, then, and then they corrected themselves but then in that theory then maybe in kayfabe or whatever you want to look at it well we made the wrong decision but the but maybe because technically you did win the match, but in the record you didn't, but we'll still need to give you we'll give you another shot, maybe. Um, I don't buy that storyline either at all, because like maybe we'd have found out before by now. Um, but nothing in my mind resembles that, other than maybe I can maybe get on board with the whole Saudi Arabia part. But Daniel Bryan was literally screwed at SummerSlam by Triple H, was then screwed time and time and time again by the authority, was held back by the authority, 
Look, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I just... I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm done. I'm done with the whole let's boo Roman because he's still being shoved down our throat and... Oh, if we turn him heel, now he'll get proper boos. Like, no, I just don't... He's been... And now this, now this narrative, everyone left early because of Roman. At the end of the day, he's been handled over the grand scheme of things over the last how many years? Four or five? Fantastically bad. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. The time is... But... Sorry, on you go. I was just going to say, time is getting on a bit, so before we end the show with a quiz, because again, the likes of Roman, that's like a five-hour podcast on its own, and it's just regurgitating the same things over and over again. So is there anything from Raw or Smackdown that you enjoyed this week that you want to touch on before we do the quiz? Yeah, just just I'll, I'll be quick. On Raw, um, like I said, I enjoyed Seth and Mojo Rawley. The men's triple threat I enjoyed as well. But I, I was, I've, like I said, for you, I was still surprised that Finn, Sami Zayn, and Roman Reigns were all in that match because I was like, I was surprised that Sami and KO are not in that. Um, Braun and KO was good. Um, the part where KO was outside the ring at the barriers and Braun came running round and literally just ran into him yeah. at one point and. KO went flying in the air, that was excellent that, um, was, that was something I quite liked from their match on Sunday when Braun was chasing Sammy around the ring, Kevin <laughs> Owens got up and was clotheslined back down to the ground again as like, during the chase scene total Benny Hill moment if there ever excellent. was one um, also sh- I'll keep this for my last one, sorry Miz versus Jeff Hardy was really really good as well um as was um, oh my goodness I forgot who the other entrant was now for Smackdown um, Rusev Rusev and Daniel how could I forget exactly I know that is not going to look no shush Rusev and Daniel that was a really really good match as well listeners um, uh, Ricky just forgot what day it is there can you believe it yeah um, so that was really really good but I just like do you know what Ember Moon has probably got my fa- most favourite finisher right now. It's very good. That, and oh, it's, um, the way she hit it on Monday was just beautiful. I know, but the way Ruby Riot sold it was even more beautiful. Oh, I don't know. Is that was that better than Mickey James's selling of it? Like they were both just uh-huh. unbelievable. I would um, say it is because that looked like it was actually without going a bit too graphic. When you can imagine when people are shot. Mm-hmm. And like their nervous system yeah. just shuts down entirely, and they crumple yeah. like an accordion. That's what that was and like. Ember Moon, like forget gimmick and character and mic work and all that. Ember Moon, strictly for in ring ability alone, is just is every bit as good as any of the female yeah. roster. Anyone on that female roster? Yeah, her so in that ring, was a real good match. Yeah, Ember Moon's in ring qualities pretty peerless actually. When you think about it, it. Is, there's not it many is. that can top her. She's really good. So yeah, like in. And to quote you, Raw, Raw say sorry. That's a, that was a show. Um, Couldn't say sorry Smackdown, that much. <laughs> I know SmackDown was excellent. Next week, Almas is debuting, which cannot wait for that. So, yep, um, I enjoy both shows. If I'm honest, yeah, um, Smack like both, both really good moments in both shows. Right, so, just to clarify, Seth Rollins is so good that he got a good match out of Mojo Rawley. 
I've not got much to add from Raw Smackdown um, admittedly haven't actually seen Smackdown obviously with these columns I'm concentrating more on 205 Live so I do recommend that you see the Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy match another cracker on 205 Live um, I forgot what I was going to say there so will we just do the quiz yeah okay I'll just splice in the music now it's fucking quiz time with Ricky and Clive and friends. A fucking WWE quiz. So, to although this has nothing to do with our current affairs, to celebrate the ongoing success in Glenn Jacobs' mayoral campaign. <laughs> I've decided to go for a, a cane-centric quiz this week. All right. So okay. I took to the sub-reddits on Squared Circle, the Squared Circle and the WWE subreddit on Reddit. All the Reddit users, um, thanks for submitting some questions for me tonight. So I'm just going to go through them. There's quite a few here. All right, there's about 12 questions or so. Right. right number one, these ones are from... Sky Rule Sky RU1E How many world title reigns has Kane had? Like all versions of it? Uh huh Um Including the the one he had with ECW? Let's not include that one Alright okay um World title then I think it's just one Three No no so, oh, Damn it how the WWF one Are you sure it's three According to Sky Rule Yeah See I think three is including the ECW one though It probably is then It will yeah. be three uh, Number two Who did he cash his money in the bank In on You don't have a clue, do you? No. Well, I just tell I you. Probably guess. No, I'll guess. Um, was it the? Okay. It was Ray. It was well done. Number three, I'll give you multiple choice because you would just have to guess with these ones. How many Slammy Awards has he won? <laughs> what the fuck? I didn't say they were going <laughs> to be easy questions. There's a few right hard questions. It's, so, did you say that was multiple choice? Uh, I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. uh, how many Slammy Awards has he won? Two, three, or four? Uh, two. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> How many awards has he won with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter? 12, 14 or 16? That's just going to be an absolute guess. Guess then. Oh, 14. Correct again, well done. Really? Aye. 
Kane holds the record for the most pay-per-view matches in WWE history. How many pay-per-view matches has he competed in? Is it between 170 and 180, 180 and 190, or 190 and 200? This is by Wrestling is Cool, number one. So, pay-per-view, I would assume that includes the Royal Rumble then as well. Um, can you give me the options again, sorry? Between 170 and 180, between 180 and 190, or between 190 and 200? They've given a specific answer, so I'm just trying to make it a wee bit easier for you. I'll go over the second one. Correct again. Have a random stab in the dark for the exact number. What was, what was the second option? No, I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> like, 180 and 190. 187. Incorrect. 183. Alright. Alright. That's close. This question is from Kevin Schwartz. What was his first gimmick in WWE? Is this a trick question? No. Um, no, I know, like. Like, I know it's. Dr. Isaac Yankum, but I'm trying to think, was there something before that? No, but, that's it, that's it. Is it? Yeah, I thought that's where I was thought maybe it was a trick question. Number, these questions are from Leakey, L Y K I. Where was Kane born? What, like the character of Glenn Jacobs? <laughs> Glenn Jacobs. <laughs> Where's it running for mayor? Country. Country. Oh, country. Um, I know it's. I was going to say exotic. I know it's like a Latin country. Um, I don't know if it was a South American one, but it definitely was, no. it was like a. No? Not South American. Alright, oh, well, it's um, either Spain, Spain or Porto, so... Spain? Spain, well done. He was born in a military base of some description. What date of the calendar year is important to Kane? What the fuck? What question is that? Oh, you'll kick yourself. Um, Will I give you a what, clue? Was it the... Month that his parents died? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll give, uh, you, give me a clue, but. It's coming soon. Money in the bank? Oh, jeez, oh. Will I just tell you? Eh, uh, aye. May 19th. <sighs> <laughs> Such a sigh of disappointment there. Fuck's sake. And why is it important? Because fucking... It was a film, in it? Uh, and? <laughs> didn't something... Did not come face to face with himself or some nonsense like that? It was a parents thing. Oh, was it? Yes. Money in the what bank. Was the name, what, what was the name of that film? See No Evil. <laughs> there actually is a question about that later on. <laughs> How many times 
This is just going to be a random stab in the dark question. I won't give you multiple choice. How many times have Kane and Big Show faced each other in 1v1 matches, including house shows? What kind of question is that? A hard one. Do I not even get, like, voices there? No, just pick a random one. Right, multiple choice then. 89, 99, 109. I was going to say 89 seems a bit high, but geez, oh, um, 109. 99. <laughs> right, next one is from... K7 Offsuit. Who is Katie Vick? <laughs> Sorry? Who is Katie Vick? Katie Vick? Is that like a joke? Oh, you're showing yourself up here. Not remember the Triple H stuff? No, I do. I do. It's funny that, um, that Kane apparently killed her or some Aye. nonsense like that. And Triple H called him a murderer or some shit on Raw. <laughs> a necrom, a necrophiliac. <laughs> oh fuck! Do you remember it all now? Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Right. Yeah, I know. I knew that. <clears throat> These last group of questions come from Chuck Norris Fifty Five. What WWF wrestler was named after Kane, but before Kane debuted? His name. So his name was also Kane? His name was Kane. Before Kane even debuted. <clears throat> it like spelt the same way? Mm-hmm. Or was it any... So it was just, just Kane, like he wasn't known as that else? Yeah. Well, no, he was known as some Kane something something. I have no idea. Kane the Undertaker. Oh, fuck's sake. Number second last question from Chuck Norris fifty five. How many eyes should Kane have? Kane <laughs> <laughs> a question is that? Well, it's a multiple choice and you've got two options. Go on. Fucking hell, son. Well, I want I want I want you to say it. One well, technically, or... technically, you should only have one. There's your answer. Because Paul Bearer claimed the fire set by the Undertaker cost Kane one of his eyes. Did we ever get an explanation why all of a sudden his other eye was fine? Because they didn't have the best of makeup departments at the time. <laughs> Last question. In the movie See No Evil, how long, Jesus. how long did Vince McMahon want Kane's characters? Dick to be. Oh my god, I remember this. Oh, you, you know this one, but you don't remember Katie Vick? No, I do know Katie Vick. I said it to you, didn't I? Mm. Oh my god, I remember it. I remember someone telling a story. I'll give you a clue, oh, it's god. bigger than Batista's. I know. It was either two or three foot long. <laughs> three foot long. <laughs> Oh, Vince, you're not out of touch at all, are you? Um, thank you to the Reddit users for submitting them. Much appreciated. Saved me a job today, I have to say. So that concludes this Backlash review episode of the Rick and Clive Wrestling Show, which you can find on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, which has other shows such as the Wrestling Wash, featuring 
Ring of Honor and Impact Mark Caleb uh, you've got the Outsiders Edge with Rance and Carl Rance also does the World Class, World Class podcast with Jordan which is on another network so I technically shouldn't be allowed to plug them right this second uh, <laughs> you've got Keeping It Strong <laughs> Keeping It Strong Style with um, Josh and Jeremy talking about New Japan things are heating up immensely over there at the moment You've got a rematch, number four, Kenny Omega and Kajichika Okada at Dominion. Yeah, that, that's going to be disappointing, isn't it? Oh, my word, I can't, I'm actually quite excited about that. Uh, you've also got Jericho making his return as Eddie Izzard. <laughs> that was a laugh from Ricky there, he just sort of took <laughs> a, I just sort of lost his, his voice for a second. Um, no, but Jericho's back and sicker than ever so all good stuff last but not least you've got Rich Latter doing the One Nation Radio on One Nation Live please check out the columns on socialsuplex.com you can actually subscribe to the columns there's a subscribe function you get those columns and all the podcasts that I've just mentioned emailed directly to your inbox and lastly make sure second lastly my god see one of these days I will get this plug spot on but it's not tonight Make sure you rate and review the podcast on the app of your choice, specifically Apple, if you use Apple, because there's algorithms involved and it gets the message out more. Uh, and join the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group for lots of chat, lots of sort of back to forth, back and forth interaction with the hosts of the show and just general fans and listeners. That was awful. I should be sacked for that one. You know, like I always have a little chuckle to myself when I look at the show notes, and you've got the plugs written down, and I'm always thinking, does he still not know it? But evidently not. See, those plugs are for when I'm like copying and pasting stuff up for the podcast, the actual show notes, and I still get it wrong. It's embarrassing. But if Nakamura is not the WWE champion this time next week, it's your turn to do the plugs. So you better practice in front of a mirror. Yeah, that's fine. I wish you, I wish you doing it. Any any plugs from yourself? No, just <laughs> obviously everyone at you said you've touched on everyone. Um, please continue downloading, uh, and obviously you know hopefully we can try and get this quiz sorted out with Jeremy, Josh, and Rich as well. Looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, there's we'll actually put out as a wee bonus as well. Quite a wee bit of downtime with regards to WWE product before we hit June so maybe we can get something done towards the start of June we'll speak to the guys off air about that one um, can still not confirm or deny whether Rich is indeed the third man and if you ask him he's been sworn to silence yep <laughs> just putting words in the guy's mouth now well you know never know we won't find out until the day the quiz takes place mhm uh, that's it from us tonight I'm sorry that you didn't enjoy Backlash but I hope you enjoyed us moaning about it instead speak to you next week good night and God bless to one and all take care folks <laughs> thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast we'll see you next time Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.